see yours first. All here. right. What? I know nothing about this. It's it's in a sketchy bottle with no label. Yeah, I know. Uh, okay. All right. Oh, real generous. So this is like half a shot of water. Is that what this is? There's water in it. Oh, a whole wall. What? <laughs> what is? What is this? Um. So a friend of mine got this for me. Oh, I don't know. Ooh, I don't know, man. <laughs> That's not bad. It smells like Everclear, but it's got more of a. Uh, hmm. It's almost got it's like a lot smoother than I expected. Yeah, it to it's be. almost got like a good agave tequila taste to it. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. What so, is this supposed supposed to be? Um, all I know is it is moonshine that was brought into the country quite a few years ago from I believe it was Yugoslavia. He said it doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah, no, it's it's he's had it a while. <laughs> hmm. Uh, this was brought in from a family member of his. Um, how old, how old is this? That's really know. loud. That yeah, it is. <laughs> all right. How how how, <laughs> how old is this? I I don't know to be perfectly honest with you. Um, it's it's fantastic though. <laughs> that's pretty good. That, yeah, that's yeah. it. That is really interesting. Um, so is that what this episode's about? We're going to talk about Yugoslavia and Yugo vehicles and all that, or what? I mean, we could. I, I know nothing about Yugoslavia other than it's no longer. <laughs> I imagine it's like that movie Terminal with Tom Hanks. Oh, where somebody was in the middle of the air and yeah. No, no, he he lands in an airport. It was called Terminal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, the country it. he was in was like at war and then didn't exist, so his passport wasn't valid. So they couldn't send him anywhere, but they couldn't let him into the U.S. Yeah, I remember that. I think it, it was based on a true story. I, I don't remember, but it was a good movie. Yeah, it, it was. It was a good movie. Well, I think we got some other stuff we can talk about for a second here, too. I like it. Let's do it. It's time to hit the trail. Lock in those hubs and throw it into low range because you are listening to Wheel It with Keith and Johnny Orange. They're here to talk about 4x4s, trucks, and everything to do with enjoying the great outdoors. Buckle up. Here's your hosts, Keith and Johnny Orange. So first and foremost, I think we owe all of our listeners a little bit of an apology. Uh, kind of scheduling got away from us this weekend and we weren't able to get something uploaded in time. Uh, for our Monday release, as usual, so you're getting this a couple days late. Sorry about that, uh, but we got one out this week, anyways. So I'm glad you you just kind of rolled right in because I was going to start out with uh, singing in this episode. Oh well, by all means, Keith, have at it. What, ladies and gentlemen, Keith Codet. The Love Shack. It's a little low place where we can get. Actually, that's not where I went. I, I... <laughs> Wrong. I was gonna say. You had one sip of this. What? No, I was gonna start out with. Uh, I got me a Chrysler. It's as big as a whale, and we're about to set sail. The love shack, blah blah, blah all this and that. That's not really a shack, though. I got me a Chrysler. Seats about twenty. So hurry up and bring your jukebox money. That's a pretty good uh, capacity for that thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I know what everyone's what you're talking about, but uh, I don't think any of these folks do. Well, I mean, on last episode, I talked about the sailboat tattoo, or was that two episodes ago? I don't even remember now. I don't know. Okay, so... Excuse me. Told the story of Grandma's uh, sailboat uh, vision, the tattoo, all this and that. Uh, I'm not sure uh, if I'm repeating myself uh, week to week back. I'm slammed at work again, so... uh, (laughs) 
you know, sleep deprived. In fact, last night I, I came home from work, went right to bed, woke up, finally caught up on some sleep, but I'm mm. still a little sleep deprived. I know uh, the feeling. So, you know, I'd, I'd gotten the tattoo and then uh, immediately after the tattoo, I had a book suggestion in my Audible account. And I listen to Audible uh, books all the time, audiobooks. Mm-hmm. I read too, but driving to work, uh, the radio and the excursion doesn't work anymore. So Oh, bummer. I mean, it goes back and forth. You've known that for years. It's got that oh, weird short it, thing. It, that... Is it still doing just that, or is it still? Yeah, it's still doing like just a... that. Oh, okay. So well, I, I get to listen to like half a song, and then it just goes away. So I don't know how the end of Love Shack ends. I, I you know, it's I only hear the first half of that. You, you lucky sob. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, it. Uh, so I, I had listened to the. I had a suggestion, and and I'm sure it's the old as we've talked before on the show. Uh, about how you get the basically Alexa and Facebook listening to you all the time. Oh, I, so we had a whole conversation. We're total total side story here. Uh, we had a conversation at work about that last week with a customer, mm-hmm. and the guy starts telling me about these hot chocolate bombs. Oh, they're good. So it's like a bath bomb, but it's a hot chocolate. Oh, I know. There's, there's a couple like upstairs. Marshmallows. Really? Yeah. Hmm, interesting. Maybe you can talk Stephanie out of one. Maybe. We'll come back to that. All right. <laughs> but we, we spent like five minutes talking about this at work, and I intentionally took my phone out. I'm like, by 9 p.m. tonight, I would like to see suggestions for hot chocolate bombs or balls or whatever you call them. Uh, just I want to see what, what happens with it. And I have not yet seen anything in any of my Facebook ads or anything. Well, because if you're intentional about it, they don't want you to do it because they don't want you to know. So what I should say, and I'm going to get it and say it in front of my phone just in case, I do not want to see anything about hot chocolate bombs. Mm. I got to say it that way, right? Just keep saying the word bomb again and again and again and again. and then <laughs> I'm sure you, I'm already on a watch list. Yeah, you'll, you already work at a gun store and you're always using the word bomb. Yeah. So, I mean, we deal with explosives there. It's legitimate. Right. It's a training facility. Yeah. They deal with rockets at the Georgia location. Perfect. I didn't know they had a Georgia location. <laughs> 700 some odd acres. Oh, crazy. Yeah, they do like tanks, rockets, uh, all kinds of explosives down there. All that right. one's not open to the public. It's like a military training. Field trip. I'll, I'm 100%. So, yeah, so uh, so in my Audible account, um, I get this uh, suggestion uh, for a book called Swell. And it's by Captain Liz Clark. And I, I'm looking at this thing, and it's got the cover art on it is a young young lady, uh, probably early 20s, um, apparently free diving. She's got a weight belt on, but no tanks. Mm. And she's standing on, you know, maybe about 20 feet of water, 25 feet of water, and you can see a sailboat behind her just kind of floating. And, of course, that caught my attention. I said, mm. oh, what's this all about? So I read the little thing, and it's a, about a young girl uh, or lady that uh, travels not all the way around the world, but spends about a decade traveling all over mostly the South Pacific in a 40-foot uh, sailboat that she calls Swell. Hmm. I said, well, this might be interesting to listen to. Because, uh, you know, I love travel adventure stories. Oh, I'm yeah. always reading them. So, so, I, so I listened to it. And it, it. Honestly, it's one of the best books that I have listened to. I, I didn't read a hard copy, but one of the best books I've listened to in a long, long time. And it... I love it too on my Audible account when I listen to books that are narrated by the actual by the author as well. Oh, that's cool. So this one, so not I'd say you own about a third of Mar, maybe even less than that. I wonder if there's any copies of Lord of the Rings that way with J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> well, but anyways, um, I'm pretty sure he's long dead. Yeah, he is. Uh, <laughs> but Liz Clark, uh, she narrated herself, so you get to hear her actual voice and you hear her actual emotion in the in the book. 
telling her story. And so I listened to it. It's about an eight-hour book, something like that. I listened to it over the period of uh, maybe four or five days back and forth uh, on my commute to work. Hmm. And I just finished it up uh, last Saturday. Uh, I was out working in the yard, and I had my earbuds in, and I was finishing the book because I, I wanted to see how it ended. Yeah. I, I didn't want to wait till the next work day. And uh, really loved the book. Great, great book. Uh, I'd highly recommend it for anyone who's into outdoor adventure stuff, uh, uh, female power, whatever you want to call it, because you know she does this on her own. Um, if you want to listen to something about sailing, boating, uh, adventure in the South Seas, uh, highly recommend it. Great, great book. So, um, like I said, Captain Liz Clark, uh, and uh, she wrote the book called Swell. Well. Anyways, um, and she even has a website, um, swellvoyage.com, I think is what it's called. Nice. Um, you can Google it and you can find out. Yeah. But uh, really, it's got a blog and everything on there. Cool. So I just finished it, and about an hour later, a, uh, um, I, I headed out to one of the guys I work with. He was having his housewarming party out of this out nice. of his place. So he's having a bonfire housewarming party. So I'm out at this bonfire, and we're having some beers, and we're standing around, and there's like... Maybe a dozen people from my job and other people, too, that I knew, but we were all hanging out. Well, one of the guys that I work with is out there, and now he didn't know anything about me getting the tattoo, didn't know anything about uh, me listening to this book, and he just randomly blurts out at me. He goes, hey, you live on the water, right? I says, yeah. And he goes, you need a boat. I says, <laughs> I said, no, no, I don't need a boat. I, uh, I said, I've had boats. I, you know, in fact, we even joked, I think in the last episode, it's a hole in the water. You throw money in. <laughs> yep. And uh, I, he's like, well, no, no, no. He's like, you really do. He says, uh, I said, well, what kind of boat are you talking about? Uh, you know, just curiosity. My interest was piqued. And he says, uh, he's, well, how about a sailboat? And I said, oh, man, I've always wanted to kind of learn how to sail, but I don't, you know, I don't really know anything about sailing. Yeah. And he says, well, it's right behind the barn here. He says, I've been storing it here at this guy's house, uh, the guy that we had the um, housewarming party for. And he goes, he wants it out of here. So we walked around the corner, and he's got a uh, late 70s, uh, 19, or 22-foot Chrysler sailboat sitting That's there. That's awesome. And he says to me, he goes, uh, if you want it, it's yours. And nice. it's on the trailer, boat on the trailer. It was in the water last year, brand new sails. Nice. Beautiful-looking boat. Uh, nice cabin on it, sleeps like five people, it, wow. tight together, but five people is what it's rated for. And uh, his wife pipes up and says, well, it's got a little outboard in the back that's kind of new. And she says, I've got a standing offer for 400 on the outboard. You can have the boat and trailer, but you can't. Uh, he inherited the thing from his father-in-law. Gotcha. And gotcha. Uh, she goes, but uh, if you want the motor, it'll be 400 So I said, you know what, I'm just going to give him the 400 bucks. I said, yeah. to me at this point, fate was calling me on the <laughs> sailboat thing. Because it's yeah. like the sailboat tattoo, the sailboat book, and then all of a sudden I'm offered a free sailboat. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, man. I'm like, this is probably a bad idea, but... So I gave him the 400 for the motor, uh, got the boat and trailer for free, hauled it home. I've been cleaning it up a little bit. Uh, I am going to probably take uh, some sailing lessons through one of our, there's about five or six places within 100 miles of here that offer sailing lessons. And uh, so I'm probably going to do that and uh, learn how to sail, see if I like nice. it. I don't know. But it's another off-road adventure of sorts. But Oh, for sure. Uh, now, you did hear me right, folks, though. I said Chrysler sailboat. We didn't even realize... <laughs> I had heard that I knew Chrysler made outboard motors years ago, but I didn't know they made entire boats. They made planes too. They made planes? Yeah, planes or jets or something what, like that. What, during World War II? I don't remember. I just I, I know I they made I know they made them. engines for uh airplanes in World War II, but 
Let's see uh, if I can find one real quick. Chrysler had been involved in all sorts of stuff. And this is not going to be a Chrysler episode. We're just kind of mentioning this. And I think in, maybe in the future, if anybody has any interest, and you can always mention it on 4x4 Talk or something, if you want us to do more of like a, hey, these are some of the odd things that the big three built, uh, you know, that, or even other ones like international building refrigerators or Ford building tractors, General Motors building refrigerators and appliances. You know, we maybe we'll get into an episode like that, but I want to do a little more research before we do that. Uh, and of course, we can add that Chrysler built sailboats at one time, which is just an odd thing that uh, happened. So, um, <clears throat> pardon me there. This stuff is, uh, is clear, clearing me out. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yes, I, I own a Chrysler for the first time in a long time. But uh, interestingly, you know, Chrysler, as far as I know, never built a four wheel drive vehicle uh of course chrysler's the header for jeep and dodge and plymouth and all of that but um i don't think they ever actually built a four by four chrysler of any sort uh, except for maybe the minivan which would be all-wheel drive the chrysler town and country i'll look later i, I know it's out there though but um so yeah no man um that was uh you know just kind of a little adventure that i had going on there fun, fun. but um you know, I, I've been thinking about uh, what we wanted to talk about in this episode, and I know neither you or I had really put much thought into that because we've had a very, very Don't busy think we week. We had much time. <laughs> no, exactly. I know we, we met up, uh, saw that band 86 Noodles there Friday night. That was a blast, as always. Yeah, that was uh, that was definitely very interesting. Um, Indeed. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a, that was an interesting time. But, it was a, it was, yeah, it was definitely a good time. Uh, that was fun doing. And then I rolled right into a video shoot on uh, Saturday and Sunday uh, with a different band, a uh, rock band for a cover song they're doing that can't tell you what it is. Well, I can tell you off the air, but wow, that's yeah. pretty cool. Well, I'm excited to hear it. I'm yeah. excited to hear it. At a friend's bachelor party Saturday night, just some beers and a, a lot of alcohol <laughs> in the garage down at my buddy's house. Yeah, well, you know, at, uh, Jason's house. His older brother Robbie's getting married. Yeah, congratulations to he and Carrie. I don't think they listen, but well, yeah, congratulations, <laughs> very much so. I uh, I know I had the invite to get out there. By the time I was free that day, uh, you guys were uh, going to go bar hopping, and we didn't end up doing that. We just stayed there. Oh, did you? Yeah, okay. Jason and uh, one of his uncles went for a little bit, and then they came right back. Gotcha. So. Um, well, that day I did happen to finally do something four wheel drive related, which has been. Uh, way overdue, although unfortunately it was not some really cool wheeling or anything like that. Mm. Uh, the excursion has four-wheel drive again. Oh, I didn't remember that it was out. Well, <laughs> it, had, it had gone out on me, I want to say December or January, I was at a job site and um, I was pulling my trailer out of the uh, the job site and it was icy, snowy and stuff like that and I had put it in four-wheel drive, Gilbert Attraction, and all of a sudden, I heard a loud kind of pop and bang in the front. I said, oh, man. And lost four-wheel drive. Uh, I had done some preliminary playing around. I unlocked the hubs, thrown it into uh, four-wheel drive, drove forward. One of my buddies looked underneath it at work. Yeah, your drive shaft's spinning. Um, so we knew it was engaging the front axle. Maybe we did talk about this. Yeah, anyways, I think I continue, did. Yeah. You know, locked the hubs, and it just it was not engaging but yet both the uh uh front axle shaft seemed to be turning so it was kind of a little bit of a mystery there mm. well it was time to rotate the tires in the excursion because i was starting to get a little bit of cupping on the front which the the fords are famous for as the ball joints wear and stuff yeah. like that so 
I was like, yeah, the other day it was really nice. Uh, Sunday, I was like, I'm going to take and I'm going to rotate the tires around. So I, I put it up on the jack stands and I uh, I go to rotate the tires and I, you know, front to back. And uh, I'm, while I'm at it, I'm like, you know what? I'm just, I'm wondering if it's got a blown out lockout, you know, the worn lockouts that yeah. I've got on it, which I, I've never, knock on wood, I have never blown out a worn lockout before. <laughs> so I'm thinking there's no chance it's this. So I, t- I take the... Uh, I figured a good way of testing this was because I have a, I have an unlocked front end. I have a uh, you know completely open front end, and uh, so I put a, a crowbar through the U joint on the axle shaft to bind it up against the C, and uh, put the hub and lock on the driver's side. And I go to turn the tire, and bam, bam, bam! I can't get it to turn at all. So I said, okay, that one's locked, unlocked it, it was working. Go around to the passenger side, and I do the same thing. Well, the it seemed like it was holding, but then all of a sudden, if I pushed it, I could hear click, 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 and it would just push past. Mm. So I had no traction <clears throat> yeah. on the passenger side. And I'm like, oh, man, what's going on? So I pulled the lockout hub off, and everything looked good. And I'm looking down inside, and uh, this, I'm thinking, maybe I broke a stub shaft. Nope, stub shaft's good. And I'm looking hmm. at all, I'm like, this is really screwy. I can't figure out why the, the lockout's not engaging here. So I get out the brake clean, and I'm, like, cleaning all the parts up really good because... Um, you know, I've got, uh, um, grease in there yeah, and everything. you know, yeah. it's not highly greased. You're not supposed to grease the heck out of them, but it's got some light grease in it and stuff, a dirt road, dirt oh, and yeah. off-road stuff. And that thing's been submerged and all sorts of stuff before. So God knows what. exactly. So I, I pull apart. Well, all of a sudden I'm looking at the, uh, you know, the way the worn lockout there on that style has got a, a female gear and a male gear. And when you turn on the lockout, it pushes the, um, I think it's actually the female gear gets pushed onto the male gear. And I go, all right, um, let me see how that's engaged. Well, all of a sudden, I go try to put them together, and they wouldn't go together. Hmm. Just would not go in the gears. I'm like, what is going on here? Because Oh, that was the first indicator, though. When I took the lockout out, the snap ring that holds the back side of that assembly was off and sitting inside the hub. Oh. Something at all, it just came out. Well... So then I go to put it all back together, and it still wasn't working. So then I took it apart again, and I'm looking at it, and like I said, the gear won't engage. So I'm going, what's going on? So I finally, I brake clean, brake clean. I got 15-20 vision. I have really great vision, but yeah. I'm, I'm looking at this thing. Finally, I kind of start running my finger across the teeth, and there's just a little bit all the way around, like a knurled edge all the way on the hmm. end of it. So it's almost like the lockout was just Grinding slightly engaged, yeah. and then it like popped and it stripped the end of the gears just a little bit. <clears throat> I'm like, yeah, I could go buy uh, the lockouts, but I mean, you're talking 150, 200 bucks. Mm-hmm. So I got in there with a um, a stone and a Dremel bit that I actually chucked up in a drill for the speed. I, my nice. Dremel's broken right now, and I sat there and I cleaned off the end of the teeth and all the gear, and lo nice. and behold, engages, put it all back together. Now I got four wheel drive again. Nice. So, uh, it was a pretty simple fix. I, I probably should eventually replace those lockouts because nah, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I live life uh, on the edge, man. <laughs> but I did figure out though because the Fords have that stupid. Uh, the stub shafts are really short on the Super Duty Nano 60s, especially mm. the earlier ones, and they have that. Um, <clears throat> pardon me, that floating bearing that runs on the stub shaft, mm. and it's got like a rubber bushing around it. Well. I couldn't get the lockout to even go back in. It was like it wouldn't even physically go back in because the stub shaft was cocked off uh, to the side a little bit. And I'm like, what's going on here? They're blown. You can literally take the axle shaft up and down a little bit. Huh. It's not, it's riding loose in there. 
So I think that might be what caused it as well. Maybe, yeah. And um, so I know I got to do a stub shaft on it eventually as well. I did eventually. I, I took a pry bar, pulled up on the axle shaft, and I left it because I know that it's kind of like catching and not engaging. Mm-hmm. I left it engaged on the passenger side. Gotcha. So that way, if I have to put it in four-wheel drive right now, I'm just going to lock the driver's side. Yeah, and then, I know yeah. the old white excursion did the same thing, but it ended up vibrating really bad when they blew out. Oh. Um, this one's not vibrating yet, so I'm just going to leave it like that. I mean, if I get a half a mile gallon worse, well, who cares, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. But yeah, but uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I, um, I, you know, I've been happy that that's working again. I might need it. Hey, speaking of pulling up things, um, are you able to pull four by four talk right now? Uh, I can pull it up on my phone. Yeah. <clears throat> I know that uh, a lot, lately we've had a lot of people that are asking us questions. You know, I was going to say that. You were going to bring that up? Uh, yeah, I just noticed a lot. I noticed there's one, um, I accidentally just closed it here. Let me find it up. I was going to give him a shout out. Uh, he sent a message to us asking about the, uh, was it the Spartan Locker in the front of his XJ Data mm. 30? I just got about the track bar from me mentioned in there. You know, excellent question. And actually, um, rolling that on to talking to the excursion here. Uh, Brett Dutcher. Okay. If I'm saying your name right, I Dutcher, hope so. Dutcher, Duchesne, something like that. Yeah, we're not sure. But Duchesne. Duchesne, we'll all right. So, uh, <laughs> Let's call him Brent. Well, uh, oh, Brent, Brent, thank you Brent. for Duchesneing with us. And uh, <laughs> the... Um, uh, but yes, uh, the lockers in the front. Uh, that's actually a great topic to talk about right now because... I'm running around with a one locked hub on the excursion. Mm. I This is something that is a pet beef of mine like crazy. There are people out there again and again and again that try to claim that having a lock, uh, locking hub, a selectable locking hub on a solid front axle, that if you run around on the street with them locked, that you're going to burn up your front axle or your drive, your four-wheel drive. No. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, this, you know, and this is the thinking behind it. We may have listeners out there who are still figuring out about four-wheel drive stuff, and that's why they listen to us. Um, you can drive around with your hubs locked on the front of a four-wheel drive vehicle, 99.9% of them, all the time, no repercussions. It's not going to, you know, theoretically, yes, your U-joints in the front axle shaft are spinning all the time. Now, there's a hair of gas mileage, but even negligible amounts at that rate. Negligible amounts there, <clears> and <throat> you're because there's actually no force on the U joints. The U joints are not going to wear out any faster. No, you know you're going to go through three sets of rear U joints on your rear drive shaft <laughs> before you ever put the fronts in. Yeah, and you know people say, well, how do you know? How do you know? How do you know? Because the factory. As in that Jeep XJ, they don't have selectable locking hubs on them. No. Nor does your TJ. No. The front drive, front axle shafts are always spinning. Yeah. They're they're constant engagement, and they've been making since day one with four wheel drive vehicles, vehicles that have actually the, all of the early ones were fully flanged in the front, and the axle shaft spun. When you put it in four wheel drive, is when you're actually sending the power to the front axle. Yeah. The selectable locking hubs were invented to hopefully get you a little better map mileage and wear and tear and this and that but you can drive around with your selectable locking hubs on a uh 
Axel, as long as you want. Say so the only time, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but the only time you might have an issue is if you had like a spool up there, wouldn't it? Yes, be? yes. If you had a so, spool, yeah. or which there's no factory vehicles that come with a spool. No. Um, no. So if you had a spool. Say Mr. Lincoln or Mr. Miller, you can make one. Or a welded front end, <laughs> yeah. then your steering is going to be absolutely miserable. <laughs> or non existent. Exactly. <laughs> now. Um, a number of people have said, well, if I put a locker in the front, I got to have selectable uh, hubs. No, you don't. Same because thing applies still. The yeah. locker doesn't engage until you put power, power to, it. to it. Whether it's a mechanical locker or it's a selectable. Now, selectable, obviously, you're telling it when to lock. Yeah. But a mechanical locker, it's... And I, and I, I fully don't understand how it works. I think it has something to do with the force of momentum as the the power comes in on the drive shaft like it, it's like a centrifugal force. I don't force. even remember anymore. I, I used to know. But. I think it's a centrifugal <laughs> force. I, I think it also depends on the locker too because some of them yeah. are clutch style clutch plates where they they slip slightly. Other ones like the Spartan and the um, uh, what would be the quick Quick lock, I think it's called. And uh, what is it like? Richmond lockers. There's the lunchbox lockers. Yeah, there's four or five different companies that make them. A couple of them are all one company now, but with like four different names, it's gone through over the years. It's got teeth and pins that yeah. basically click together, ratchets yeah, together. Ratchet and locker. Um, but yeah, no, I I years ago I had that '97 XJ, the green one that I'd love to find someday and maybe buy back if I ever found it. That would be sweet. <laughs> uh, it was factory five speed, which is rare for the '97 01s. Yes. And um, I uh, I love that little Jeep, but you know the motor was completely worn out. It had no almost no compression when I sold it. It Bomber. had like two hundred eighty thousand miles on it. And but um, we could build you up a real good block for that. <laughs> well, I know, I know. But I had put, uh, back when the thing had about 130,000 miles on it, I wanted to lock it front and rear. And so I remember that. I bought two, um, actually I bought a Spartan for the front and I had bought a lock right for the rear. Yep. The Spartan came in, put it in, went beautifully, Put the, went to go put the lock right in the rear, did not realize I had the Chrysler 8 and a quarter rear end, <laughs> thought I had the Dana 35. I had ordered one for a Dana 35. Ended up returning the one for the Dana 35. At the time, the lock right for the eight and a quarter, I think, was like 400 something bucks. And I was like, eh, versus the 200 that I was paying for the lock right for a Dana 30. I says, ah, or Dana 35. I said, I'll just, you know, do something later. Maybe do an 88 swap or something. Never got around to it. I remember that you started, <clears throat> no, you got the parts to do it. And then I ended up buying the axle from you. <laughs> Correct. Well, the, Man. so the, um, but yeah, with the uh, locker in the front of it, I had the Spartan in there. Now, uh, so I was always locked front, open, rear, and I drove that as a flower delivery vehicle for my main side job, main job for probably about a year. I remember that Jeep, man. I like that thing. And you know, <laughs> it would when you did a hard turn, not in four wheel drive, hard turn with a little bit of speed to you, you'd get kind of a ratcheting that you'd hear in the front. You hear click 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 click, and that was it. And yep. it was just. Hopping a little bit, it was harmless, and you know. But I tell you what, when I took that thing, because I had the uh, the last set of tires I had on it were thirty one BFG all terrains. I had gone from uh, like twenty sevens to twenty nines, and then it was uh, it was either thirty or thirty ones. I think I had thirty ones on it. I never lifted it, and everybody told me they wouldn't fit. And there was a little bit of rubbing, but not terrible. Yeah, just turned enough, you know, driving a circle for a little while, a little self clearance. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But uh, I drove it on those, and I took it on a couple of 
not super hardcore off-road trips, but I went up and ran like around. So Mount- didn't you do one or- of the chili runs with that one year? Uh, I don't think I did a chili run with it, but I did do um, a number of. I, I went up to St. Helens Recreation Area, I think, with it twice that up might near be what Grayling. I'm yeah, did some winter runs and or snow. I did a snow fari and that a, was it. Yeah, yeah, snowfari. yeah. I did a snow fari and then another one that was just to get together with friends. It might have been a snow fari pre run. Yeah, it, it operated great. You know, nice. And that thing would just dig in the front, and that's actually where I started to become a believer. After having a number of rigs over the years that were locked in the rear open front, mm-hmm. and then I had, that was my first rig that was locked front open rear, and I saw how well that did on like Michigan hill climbs on sand and snow, I would say if you're going to put a locker in your vehicle and you can only afford one to start with, start with the front. <laughs> I really would. I mean, that just, at least for that Jeep, at least that XJ platform, um having that front locker in there it just dug i mean it was yeah. what you point and steered wherever you were going to go nice you also got a lot of weight with that 4.0 up front yeah so probably helped with that front traction um but uh i don't know and your xj are you doing a uh dual lockers or are you just doing the so oh. it's got the limited slip in the rear open up front right now Oh, okay i didn't have any immediate mm-hmm. plans just because of the cost to do anything up front yet uh, eventually, I'd like to do the Detroit True Tracks in it, though. Okay. Just when I get the money and the the time, it's it's in the works. You know that that's down the line. That got bumped way down the priority list for now. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse uh, me. Well, yeah, this this is like tequila. It's got yeah. a weird. Uh... A little bit of a after kind of. I don't know what that hangs is. in the back of your mouth there. So. Um... Oh, to answer one of the questions too, somebody oh, was mentioning yeah, about the steering in there. I don't, well, here's the deal. I have never, I was trying to think of an engineering standpoint from that. I'm not an engineer. I I could see it when it's engaged, potentially being a problem. Because I know in the XJs, those front tie rods are inherently weak. They're very thin tubular steel. So I could see maybe when turning, you could get some flex in them. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're especially if you're doing rocks or doing That'd something, that'd be the where only thing I could think there'd be an issue there. The question was, should they upgrade the steering because yeah. there's a locker in the front? I don't see any necessarily inherent reason to do it. I don't either. That being said, like one of the other guys mentioned, um, um, I'm not gonna look it up. I already closed it. Uh, one of the other guys mentioned about the V8 Grand Cherokee steering. That is a direct bolt-in for the Cherokees. Uh, it, it was Tony Villaro who mentioned that, didn't Yeah, he? yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you can swap that in. I did do that on mine. So it's got the V8 uh, Grand Cherokee steering on the uh, XJ. Is that a direct bolt-in on those? <clears throat> yes. Yeah, it's a little bit different to adjust it because there's only, I think it gives you an adjustment sleeve rather than the whole thing being an adjustment sleeve, if I remember this correctly. <laughs> do you have to ream out the knuckles or anything? Nope. You just, uh, it's a direct bolt-in in that respect. That's not something I was ever familiar with. Yeah, that was, uh, I don't know if you remember, uh, it was a parts V8 ZJ that you had dropped off at the old house. Yeah, the red one with the rocker sliders. Yeah. I remember every vehicle I've ever owned. Yeah, I scavenged the steering off of that one. Yeah, I don't remember you doing that, but I... I, Pretty sure it was yours, anyway. I remember you pulling some parts off it. That was probably what it was. I'm pretty, yeah, I know it was that. I thought I was going to look at doing the hitch, and I don't think I did. Does it have to be V8 ZJ parts? It has to be the V8, because the V8, because of the heavier engine, got the heavy steering. Huh. So it got the heavy-duty steering rods on it. But Um, I I thought the straight six weighs more than the V8. 
I don't remember. I just know what I remember. I needed to get the parts from. Weird. <laughs> it might have been a power thing too, maybe. Okay, yeah, I, I can remember, see that. But, but uh, no, the if I'm trying to remember this correctly, it was something I came across. I was looking at doing a high steer conversion at one point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the if you get the right hand drive V8 Grand Cherokee steering, you you flip it upside down. You do have to ream the knuckles out for that. But otherwise, it's stock Jeep parts gives you the high mount steering. You yeah. just have to ream it out, and then get the little inserts, and you're good to go. I saw. Speaking of XJZJ stuff, since we seem to be kind of running down that <laughs> that road today, uh, I saw a post on a different Facebook group um, yesterday, today, something like that, and somebody had said, "Is it common?" It was in an XJ group, um, but the it's a kind of like open platform xj group and there's a bunch of other jeeps in there and stuff yeah and somebody said is it common uh when you buy a jeep to find um drug paraphernalia in them i mean depends where you get it from generally speaking i would say no well a lot of people are saying (laughs) yes oh but uh i i I never have i never have well no i I, I found weed in a couple of vehicles i bought i found an ultra rare socket though in uh, the grand cherokee i parted out 10 millimeter 10 millimeter oh nice snap on Ooh. black oxide deep well oh (laughs) that's like 200 dollars socket right there yeah (laughs) Yeah. well you know snap on is uh that's just the gucci for mechanics is what that is yeah, I've bought a few of those tools when I worked at the dealership. We had the snap-on guy, and he managed to, you know, grab his reins on all of our service guys as well. Uh-huh. But we all wrench on our own stuff. Yeah. And I will say this, the best investment I have ever made in tools was buying the snap-on electrical tools. So the strippers, the crimpers, that set that they sell, oh, my God. Those are, those are pretty good. I'll give you that. that I, I actually have a pair of itself. I have a pair of the wire strippers. Over, yes. But... Um, so, but, so back to the question about the finding the drug paraphernalia. Oh, yeah, right. And I, I, I was going to answer it, but then I didn't have time, but basically I'll answer it right here. Um, I think it depends on the series of the Jeep that you get. Okay. So follow me here. I was going to say, I'm very curious to hear the reasoning on this one. (laughs) So if you're getting, pardon me, if you're buying, let's, let's just say a used Wrangler. Um, I would say that the chances are very low to find drug paraphernalia in a used Wrangler. I would agree. And my reasoning behind that is, is because it falls out. There's that. (laughs) And, um, because Wranglers cost the owners so much money, (laughs) both in the, um, in the purchase price and in maintenance and upkeep that they can't afford drugs. That's fair. I mean, look at me. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Um, I have three G. If you're buying an XJ, um, I think it's probably more common in an XJ to get a bunch of bush light cans in the back of it. What's wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with it. I'm just saying. Are you it, making fun of us to drink bush light? Uh, uh, you know, Come a bunch on. of bush light cans, <laughs> and and maybe you might find some uh, some roaches or something underneath the seat, uh, and not the cockroach type. So uh, I think there's a good chance of that with an XJ because you know just kind of the laid back, you know, quasi hillbilly lifestyle going on there. Um, the ZJs. I mean, I know some people. I could. Okay. <laughs> the ZJs do seem to keep, come out of the hood more than anything, so I think yes. I think the ZJs is where you're going to find you know the crack pipes and the needles and the stuff like that because you can still to this day buy an old ZJ for about six hundred bucks all day long. 
True. I traded a case of beer for one once. I drove it home. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. I, I bought two I, ZJs I, in my I, life, one running and driving one for $400 and one parts one for like 150 nice. So, Yeah, I, I traded a case of Bud Light for this one. Yeah. Drove it home. It was less than a mile down the road. Uh, I found $25 in returnable, you know, in change in there. And like four dollars worth of returnables. Yeah. All the guy wanted back was his sound system and his battery. So. <laughs> his sound system. You see, there you go. Yeah. Exactly. He, so he was a real good guy. I, shout shout out to Rob. I know you're kind of no longer with us, but I miss you, buddy. You're you, cool guy. Anyways. I knew I knew a guy <laughs> that used to do an annual um, off road trip uh, up north, and he had one rule. He, he, you know, some of them are like no whining, bring your own food, no drinking on the trails, whatever, which are all good yeah. rules. But he had one rule for his off-road trips. It was no CJs. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And it was tongue-in-cheek because he yeah. he had one and he was just like, he had to be the only one or something. I don't know what it was. But <laughs> That's awesome. no CJs. But ZJs do kind of get the weird the rap. short end of the stick. Yeah, they do. They're <laughs> basically a fat XJ. <laughs> short. They're short and fat. Yeah, they're short yeah. and fat. They're a short, fat <laughs> yeah. XJ. They're, you know, they're that girl that you, you, you know, second choice for the prom. You know, uh, they're just like, you know, I, oh, boy. I, 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 I just, I, I don't, I don't get them. I mean, I love the fact you get a V8 with a ZJ. Um, there was a guy on one of the Jeep pages I was on the other day, and he paid eight hundred dollars for a rust-free. Uh, or six hundred dollars, I think said for a rust-free '98 uh, 5.9 Limited, oh. and I, it oh, was, he stole it. Oh, I know, he I was, stole it. And he's like, "Did I do okay?" And we're like, ah, "Like, you know, you did terrible. You made a horrible decision. Tell you what, so I'll give you eight fifty. They only made like fifteen thousand of those things. They're, yeah, very, very little. They're they're actually they made very, very few of the ZJs also with an AX15. Oh, I know that was only like those the first st- two or three years. Too. Yeah, stupid rare. And I, so I haven't found any documentation to support this. Uh, a very, very good friend of mine who's very deep into the Jeep world as well has told me that some of them had a front Dana 44. I've heard that rumor before too. And I've I, seen no evidence of it, no proof. I don't think it's true. Yeah. I've, I've dove fairly deep into a lot of the, uh, the rabbit holes on these things. I haven't found or come across anything to indicate that. He was quite insistent, you know, he's seen them and had proof of it. Uh, that being said, I'll, I mean, hell, if I can get one, I'll get it. <laughs> the, only one, the only one that I would think would possibly have that, if you're talking on the ZJs, is, and, and we'd have to do a ZJ heavy yeah, episode. Yeah, it'll be the ZJ. Um, is that there was a diesel overseas version of the ZJ available at one time. Hmm. Maybe that had a larger front axle. It could be interesting. Being a diesel. I, I don't know. But, you uh, know, we are coming up into the episodes in the 90s here. Maybe oh, we geez. should do a ZJ. Maybe. <laughs> ZJ came out, what, 91, I think? 93. 93? I'm fairly confident it was 93. Okay. Yeah, maybe we'll maybe. do a ZJ. We'll, Z- we'll discuss. Maybe we'll do a ZJ episode at some point. But, um, you know, so, yeah, uh, back to the drugs thing, though, in uh, in Jeeps and in vehicles like that. Buddy of mine years ago uh, bought a uh, part Suzuki Samurai for his Samurai. Mm. Had a little bit of an adventure with it. One, the main reason he bought it, it, and he lived up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and he bought it downstate, mid-state somewhere, so about four or five hours from where he lives. Mm. Bought it online. 
Um, and the main reason he bought it is because it had a very rare aftermarket full fiberglass hardtop for it. Because the Samurais, uh, the, the open top ones, all came with a cloth top. Yeah. But um, there was a couple companies in the 80s, early 90s that made fiberglass full tops for him, like a G-pad. Hmm. He wanted this thing real bad. So he, he drives down, loads up on his trailer, straps it down all good and everything, drives back to uh, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, gets back home, um, nighttime, gets out, uh Goes in the house, whatever. I don't know if you noticed that night or the next morning, but the top was gone. Oh. Apparently the top wasn't bolted down. Oh, no. So he lost his, and it's somewhere along I-75. Oh. Because uh, he actually got a hold, because at first he thought maybe someone stole it, and then he got a hold of the guy, and the guy's like, oh, you didn't strap it down? Like, oh, it was man. just sitting on there. So, yeah, he lost the Bummer. heart. Hopefully it didn't end up in someone's windshield. Yeah. But. We're gonna withhold names just in case. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is more. This is probably past the statute of limitations. Way, We're fine. way past. But uh, so, anyways, that same vehicle, he um, he started playing around with it. I don't know if it ran or not, but he he went and he sat in it. And all of a sudden, he felt something sharp in his butt, and he's like, mm. and he jumps out real quick, and there's a needle mm. sticking out of the seat. Oh! And so he freaks out yeah and strips out the interior and the entire interior of this thing he found like 30 something needles holy hell now he doesn't know if they were drug needles or if it was somebody that was diabetic or what which you think somebody diabetic would be a little bit better with one would hope one would hope you just don't <laughs> know uh he did go get tested multiple times over about a year process and yeah everything came back clean and he Ooh, never had any lovely. side effects or anything but uh, he was freaking out on it. Because, yeah, I would have been too. You know, um, but yeah. yeah, so that's something, I guess if you're buying a vehicle out of the hood or even just anywhere, <laughs> it's something to think about. Put a heavy duty mat down before you sit in it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, and, and, you know, I've, I've, can you imagine being in a junkyard and pulling in junkyard vehicles all the time? The stuff that must come in those. I've talked to a few people. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, they get a lot of guns actually that turn up in there. Generally from what I've talked to a few yards about. In that instance, they'll try and contact the owner first. Uh-huh. They can't contact the owner. They contact the police department. Oh, I mean, sure they do. They have on a few of them. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I know uh, Yard that we've talked to. I've talked to him before, too, about the same thing. Okay. Uh, because they do, um, like, the accident recovery stuff, or they get ones from accidents. Oh, okay. And those ones that end up staying there, I mean, everything's documented. They have to go through and... Yeah, I'm but if, some, sure if someone there's a lot of things that don't get reported. If somebody all. tows a '74 Dodge van out from back of their woods in, and there just happens to be something under the front seat of that thing, and the vehicle hasn't ran in ten years, they're probably not going to make a phone call. I mean, they should. They absolutely should. <laughs> oh but. yeah, without a doubt, that's that's the responsible thing to do. That being said, we've both been to yards where EPA would have a field day, and we'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I was talking to a yard guy years ago that he um, he he used to go through all the cars for the spare change and stuff as they came in. They processed oh, yeah. the cars, and he was taking. Uh, he knew how to tell real gold versus fake gold jewelry. And over the years, he'd found like earrings and some gold chains and things like that in cars. And he was putting them in a peanut butter jar, okay. and he would just put them in there and, and rings and stuff like that. And when the peanut butter jar was full and it was, it was gold, you know, yeah. pretty hefty. 
He took it in and he figured that maybe he's going to get like 500 bucks or whatever. He ended up getting like $12,000. <laughs> it was like nice. Yeah, cuz he he was telling me it was a, it was a friend of mine and uh that that was the engine for his race car. He's like he didn't <laughs> He's like, "Man, I didn't think that was going to be nice. that much, you know, and just, you know, something I've seen a tremendous amount of change in in vehicles over the years in the yards. And it's like one of those I I never understood why they never went through. Yeah. It's like I mean, there's a it adds up. Without oh yeah, for sure. But there's a lot to go through and dig through in a lot of these things. Exactly. Uh, the uh, one I I scavenged some parts from uh, an XJ a few weeks ago in the yard, and there's probably five six dollars worth of coins on the floor of that thing. I didn't mess with them. I it's one of my own personal rules. I won't take stuff that I'm not there for. I always hated you that know? too. Uh, I I was at a yard with a friend of mine uh, back in high school, and we had both gone both gone in with tool bags mm-hmm. um, to grab some stuff off some trucks. I was working on one vehicle. He was working on another. Yeah. And uh, we uh, we go out, and we both had whatever we'd gone for. I think, mm-hmm. uh, if I remember right, I think he'd gone for a headlight assembly or something and maybe a grill, and I'd gone in for some carburetors or something. We're walking out. We're checking out. We go out. We get in his truck. We're driving down the road, and, uh, you know, we're – pulling into his place and he grabs his tool bag and he opens it up and he's like hey look what i got and he opens it up and it's absolutely full of emblems and radio knobs and all that and i looked right at him and uh, i said pat what the hell man um (laughs) i'm not saying a last name but this guy i haven't talked to in 20 years anyways and this was actually towards the end of him and i hanging out and i says what the hell i says you just you didn't pay for that stuff you just stole all that and he goes well, they weren't going to use it for anything. And I said, well, dude, I says, you took the radio knobs off the radio. That radio, they're not going to sell as easy now because yeah. it doesn't have any knobs on it. Yeah. And I said, that other stuff, I mean, they might have gotten 2 3 $4 for. Oh, yeah. I says, you know, and I, and I knew the yard owner. And I said, I, I said to him, I said, you know, that guy probably would have given you all of this or maybe said, give me five bucks for the whole yeah. pile or something. And I really shamed him on it. And I said, it's not my place. I mean, I could have gone back and said something. I said, it's not my place to make this right, but you need to go back and make it right. He never yeah. did. And Naturally. You know, we hung out a couple times after that, and that was kind of the end of it. But yeah. I just, I don't like that. I, I've never That's been That's their bread that. and butter. Yeah. I mean, like like you said, you know, just, it's a knob. It's a relatively worthless thing. But that knob on that radio makes that radio worth 30, 40 bucks. Now it's not worth anything. Ever since he did that, I've made it a habit that if I go into a yard, even if it's one I know, mm-hmm. um, and I've got a tool bag with me, yep, I'll I'll set it up on the counter, especially if I put something in it. Because oh, yeah. sometimes you do. You're like, oh, I got little shit I got to put in there. Yeah, so I, screws or I, something. I put it down in. But um, even if there's nothing in my bag, I'll yeah. have my bag open and I'll just set it up on the counter as I'm yeah. checking out. I'll, I'll ask. I mean, most of the yards I'm at, they know me now. You know, in the beginning, I've been to yards no tool bags, no yeah. toolboxes because of that. And I, I've always respected that. You know, I'll, I'll go to the yard and, hey, this is what I'm looking for. Mind if I go see if it's there? Yeah. Cool. If it's there, you know, I'll come back. So say it's got this. Are you okay? You know, if I take this in the pigtail. Yeah, I'm always going to ask. I'm never just going to take something. No, no. You know, for that reason, because, and I've had this also in that same yard that I'm referring to now, actually, I'll go in and I need a pigtail from something. Like, hey, if you have this, how much for just this? I'm one who will go look for those little odds and ends. And if it's not there, it sucks. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes it's something that you need. I've done the same. I've gone in and... Um, I was very fortunate. I forgot to get a pigtail when I did the swap on uh, Pegasus. And I, I forgot to take the pigtail for the glow plug relay. 
Well, I, I sold the rest of the, that car to another guy in town. Mm-hmm. He got all of his stuff, then he scrapped it. Well, I, I went to the yard, and I was like, hey, you know, I know this thing's probably not sitting around still. I forgot to get this pigtail. I really need this thing to finish my build. Otherwise, I have to completely change the glow plug setup. Uh-huh. You know, can I look around? Yeah, 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 sure, no problem. And says, if you got it, you know, I'm going to bring cutters. What do you want for it? Give me like five bucks or something. Cool. Yeah. I spent probably an hour and a half looking around for it where they told me it probably was. Couldn't find it. So naturally, I wander over to the Jeeps. I'm looking around there, as I always do. And then there's another section in that yard with all, like, the foreign vehicles or the weird special stuff, the rare cars that come in there. And I'm walking around, and my buddy who went with me goes, Hey, there's a Mercedes over here, a black one. I'm like, oh. He goes, yeah, come and look. And I look, and he goes, is that it? He's like, holy hell, that's it. That was the car? <laughs> that was my car. Oh, jeez. I walk over. Pigtail is sitting right tucked up under another wire right where I left it. Perfect. <laughs> my label, I cut it. I walked up, and I, I'm talking to the guys like, I can't believe this was still here. And I go to get my wallet out, and he's like, I can't either. Just take it, man. You're good. Don't worry about it. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So I'll always, you know, I'll send people there. And, yeah, I'm always very respectful. You know, I don't make a mess if I'm tearing stuff out or anything. You no. know, like I said, I'll, I'll only take what I ask permission for. I, I've got so, a uh, a problem with that too. I I, I remember um, just last last winter, winter before, I was down at one of the pull your own parts places in Florida, mm-hmm. and I'm watching this guy, and he's going around and he's pulling just the weirdest random things off vehicles, and I'm pretty sure it was because he was pulling the pieces to turn around and maybe eBay sell them or something. Because mm. a lot of those pull-your-own-part yards, it's, which is fine, it's, if that's your business, yeah. a lot of those pull-your-own-part yards, stuff is dirt cheap. And so if you There's know... There's a few of those in Detroit. Yeah, yeah. If you know that you can pull maybe this computer out of this truck and you know for 10 bucks and you can sell it online for 50 bucks, well, whatever. You do the oh, fit, yeah. footwork, you do it. But this guy was walking around and... He had a cordless sawzall, and when he got oh. to whatever he needed, he was just sawzalling through dashboards, through oh. whatever. And I'm thinking, how many good parts is he ruining yeah. by just taking that extra little bit, of, instead of taking an extra little time to oh, take yeah. things apart? I've I've made the habit, uh, even at those pull-your-own-part places, if I take something apart, I'll take the screws from the holes or whatever, and I'll just thread them back in. Yeah. Just I'll, I'll do that to a point. Or set them right you know, there. Yeah, that's the thing. I'll keep them in a pile or, you know, like yeah. this visor and these three screws, I'll leave that in a pile. Yep. Or, you know, this was all the trim stuff. I put it in a pile rather than leave it just wherever because if someone comes needing trim, there it is. Uh, it's, help out the next guy. Is what you got to do, man. Yeah. Um, Man, you know, I uh, what a weird roundabout <laughs> of an episode. Uh, I do think we need to talk uh, briefly unless you have something else there. Uh, we got some announcements. None that I can think of. No, I know where you're going with this, so I, I forgot to remind you of it, but you remembered. So Okay. Uh, folks, uh, big, big announcement here. Uh, we Every year you hear us push the Wheels in the Woods Off-Road Vehicle Show. Last year it was the Wheels in the Woods All-Vehicle Show, and it's going to be the same thing again this year. So we are inviting any vehicle that you can bring to this show, um, car, truck, motorcycle, boat, airplane, uh, whatever that you... That would be awesome. <laughs> whatever you can bring. There's no landing strip, so you'll have to figure out how to get it in there. Helicopter, whatever it may be. Uh, I, you know what? I want to make a personal request. I want to see a helicopter there this year. I would, too. I Maybe would, one of those old Bell Gyrocopters from the 60s. A real helicopter that fits at least one human. <laughs> All right. That'd be cool. 
Uh, Wheels in the Woods 2021 is on, and uh, it's going to be October, Saturday, October 9th. Um, and that is in Clay Township, Michigan. You can find more information very soon at the Mora website, which is, or actually probably more at the Mora Facebook page, which is Museum of Off-Road Adventure. Um, you'll see it around different places. We're going to continue probably every episode from now to October to mention it in some form or another. Uh, we are dropping this year the... Um, the what do they call the rc cars yeah um that's simply because uh our track there was just a, it was too wild for some and too tame for others and we just we were, didn't really get a good mix on that so uh but we're going to continue with the power wheels racing for the kids and we're going to maybe add another event we're still talking about some things there but should be a blast. Last year we had a great turnout, and oh, yeah. we're hoping for an even better one again this year. So make sure to mark your calendars uh, to be in Michigan Saturday, October 9th, 2021, uh, for Wheels in the Woods. And that'll start about 10 o'clock in the morning is when we usually start every year. But uh, that was the big announcement that I had there, uh, John. I don't think I got anything else. You got nothing else, <laughs> huh? No, um, not, I mean, unless I'm forgetting about something. Well, case, we, on me, we have mentioned um, opening a, a date here for the museum. We still oh. have not done that um, simply because in, in, this is not a political thing or anything like that. But the COVID numbers up, down, all over the place. Um, the, the things that are going on in Michigan with all the, uh, the COVID-19 stuff, we've just kind of been cautious over at the museum. And, um, you know, we are open, but by appointment only right now. So if you're interested in seeing the Museum of Off-Road Adventure, uh, please give us a call 877-FWD-MORA. We can make an appointment uh, for you to come and check out the museum. As soon as we have a, an official day that we're open every week or a couple of days we're open every week, we will announce it here on the podcast and online. But right now it's still appointment only at the museum. And if you're interested in hearing more about the museum, you can go and find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Museum of Off-Road Adventure. So, uh, John, back over to you. Yep. So, uh, also, if you want to in interact with some more of uh, either Keith or myself or some of the other fine review folks who listen to our show, uh, go on Facebook and look up 4x4Talk, 4x4Talk. Uh, a couple quick questions get you on the page. Ask some questions, post some pictures. You want opinions about, you know, do I go with the red one or the blue one? Or, you know, the, the tall tires or the short tires. Always go tall, by the way. Uh, <laughs> post your questions there and uh, get some feedback on everybody. Uh, we also do have an after show that we do on Patreon, patreon.com slash wheelandradio. Uh, Access is those $2 a month. We'll get you all the current shows and everything going on. There are a whole bunch of free ones up there at the moment as well. So take a look at that. If you like what you're hearing subscribe like i said those two dollars a month on that of course if you do like the show and you are still listening this far into it make sure you hit like and subscribe and leave us a review you know we're always looking for reviews if you something you don't like that we're doing something you do like let us know uh, i was trying to improve the show and just looking for feedback so let us know what you think i don't know if you got anything else there keith or no, I think uh, for every five-star review we lit, uh, that somebody posts, we are going to do the Jeep Entry Challenge. Uh, for You're going to enter your Jeep Oh, I'm not. Uh, That's all first. you, buddy. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I did see that video. I No. <laughs> all right. All I right. don't think I can physically fit through any of my windows. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, we'll say thanks for listening, and have a good one, everybody. 